Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk about a topic dear to my heart because we're going to talk about evaluation and the age-old problem. How can you standardize valuation? How can you make it more efficient? Why does it take so long? Why does it cost so much to do it? Can you do something leveraging technology to get it ready for 21st century? Paul says his company, Valutico, has an answer. So I'm looking forward to find out what it is. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul. How are you today? Very good, Rudolf. Pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So, Paul, what is your backstory? How did you get to do what you do today? I understand that you spent some time in banking, right? So you know what it is to mm-hmm. do evaluation in the middle of the night. But tell us a little bit more what led you to what you do today as well. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I'm a finance guy by background, quite a technical finance guy. I did a lot of quant finance stuff in my educational background in those years. But then I joined Deutsche Bank in their M&A team in Frankfurt. And what I loved about M&A was the combination of numbers, but also being a bit of a people's business, right? You're working on projects and that just really excited me. What I did see during the time was that obviously spreadsheets dominate that industry, right? We work in Excel mostly and uh, don't get me wrong. I love spreadsheets. I, it's the most common programming languages in the world. As somebody told me, it's very fast. It's easy to prototype something, but when you do something repetitively more often, then very often you want to have something different. And that's the story of Valutico essentially. We wanted to build something that helps people do valuations more frequently um, and more efficiently. And yeah, maybe. On the way of doing that, maybe save the one or the other junior banker the occasional all-nighter. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Understood. Yes, we have all good memories of Frankfurt. All right. What problem are you solving at Valutica? Why is it worth solving? Let's dive into it a bit more. So you talked about evaluation. You talked about doing it repetitively. But what is the core of this problem? What is your focus? Yeah, legacy spreadsheet solutions have certain issues, right? My, my favorite sp- comparable story instead of CRM tools, right? 20, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we saved all of our client data in spreadsheets and everybody thought, yeah, this works. It's, we don't need anything else. And then Salesforce came, right? And Salesforce showed us that CRM is more than just storing client data, right? It's all about automating processes, making workflows more efficient. And as we all know, Salesforce became a pretty large company. So we want to do something similar in valuations. Um, we want to do away with some of the issues of legacy spreadsheet solutions. They are slow, they're tedious, right? If you do something more often, you obviously have the issues of human error, right? We all know the horror stories of, I don't know, taxes being added instead of subtracted and then fairness opinions go horribly wrong. You have the issue of fragmented data sources, right? When you do evaluation today, you have to go through or to many different databases, many different public or private sources. You have to consolidate all that data. You have to convert files from different formats and it all just takes very long. And then you have to do it 
repeatedly, right? Because you do a first version, then somebody comments on it, you make some changes, you update all the presentations, then somebody higher up comments on it again and again. And it's called the monkey business for a reason. So all of these things I think we're solving by having built um, an integrated solution that makes valuations a lot easier, a lot faster. And when I say faster, typically what we hear from clients is that we reduce the time it takes from days to merely hours, right, for a typical valuation. In some cases, just minutes. Yeah, and then one other aspect that I haven't even talked about is that if you do something in a spreadsheet, it's lost, right, for anybody who does something similar in the future. If I do something in the spreadsheet and I hand over the project to the client, they get a glossy presentation and the valuation model itself ends up on some hard drive, but nobody ever uses that data anymore. But valuation being as it, the analysis that it is, you profit from additional data points. And we think every valuation done on Valutico should be a data point that informs somebody who does something similar in the future. So that's also a powerful idea behind Valutico. I see. But let me follow up on this a little bit and see what you would have to say to some of the bankers who say, look, yes, everybody wants to simplify valuation models, right? And they start mm -hmm. with templates and in the end, they go back and start everything from scratch because templates become too tailor-made, too many mistakes perhaps there, you cannot audit it. How do you see the standardization of valuation models? Because the argument here is by bankers that every business is different. So how can you standardize valuation for business that is different from the one that you looked at yesterday? Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe I should first explain who our typical clients are. Not even the typical clients, but the typical use case. It is not the situation where, so let's say Deutsche Bank, where we both work, gets paid a lot of money for a fairness opinion. Right? If somebody pays millions for a fairness opinion, they want the bankers to do the work from the ground up. right? And if they want this to play all the bells and whistles right? and have all the functionalities and all the flexibilities. That's not really where we play. On the other end of the spectrum, if somebody does a valuation on a napkin, right, and you just use a multiple, that's also not where Valutico plays. So we've, we, our use case is where people do valuations that are slightly above average in terms of complexity, right, but highly repetitive. Think valuations in mid-markets, think valuations for pitches, for example, valuations in audit situations uh, and, uh, and situations like that. So that's really where we help. Now, coming back to your question about the templates and the standardization, I think this is a unique moment in time uh, because 20 years ago, there was no such thing as a global standard in valuations, right? People did valuations and it was the Wild West and everybody did it differently and there were no rules, but that has changed, right? We have global governing bodies today. We have academic institutions, professional bodies that sort of drive this convergence of global valuation standards. And that really opened up this opportunity to build more standardized solutions that reflect these, these converging global standards. And that's why I think this is a good time. And the other thing is, a few years ago, 20 years ago, we also didn't have the data. Right? People still had to go through PDFs. They had to get the data from annual reports. And that has also changed. Right? Nowadays, we have high-quality financial data available that can drive automation in that area. All right, so let's describe how this solution works, right? Starting from the good old days, you, as I said, you had a spreadsheet, maybe you had a template, maybe you had macros. So that was the first step in automation. So how does your solution work today? So what I usually say is that we replace your templates. We replace or extend your databases that you're already using, and we're replacing half an analyst with what we do. 
to your question, the way the process works is that Valutico is a SaaS solution, right? It's a, you run it from your browser. It's a cloud-based solution. And you start by entering very basic information about the company that you're valuing. Where is the company located? What industry is it in? What's the revenue? And things such as that. So you start with very basic info. And the more you drill down, the further you go down that process, the more information you feed it also, the more accurate the results will become. But you can also start with this very basic set of information and the system will come up with assumptions for you. Yeah, and the process itself, you enter the data, you then go into a sort of qualitative assessment where you score essentially the company along certain qualitative criteria. We then have an ESG module that we call Value to Echo. That's also brand new. You then go into the more traditional valuation steps, I would say. And that first is the definition of the right peer group who are public peers. The next step is then the business plan where you either upload a spreadsheet or you can import data from accounting solutions or ERP solutions, or you also have an integrated planning solution in Valutico. So you have various different options to fill cash flow forecasts. And then afterwards you work through comparable transactions. And then finally the valuation itself, cost of capital and so on, and, and the export. So sequentially, that's basically how you work through the solution. All right. So the client needs to obviously come up with the forecast or historical financials, but maybe you can help them if somebody's doing just the first outside-in valuation. You said there are data sources, so maybe yours is integrated to one of those like merger market or what have you, right? Mm -hmm. That's a great point, by the way, that you just made. So you don't even have to come up with cash flow forecasts yourself. You can just feed the system with historic data and then let the system come up with its own forecast based on historic trends, based on industry forecasts, for example. We have access to consensus estimates, for example. We're also building benchmark data internally so that basically by specifying what type of company you have, our system can create its own forecast. And it's basically doing it the way any good analyst would do. It's looking at comparable companies. It's looking at industry forecasts that are out there. And it's putting that all together into one integrated cash flow forecast. So what about the multiples? Is that also integrated to your solution? Uh, absolutely. So on the side of the multiples, we work on the public side for public peers. We work with Capital IQ, for example, in our opinion, the best solution for that. And on the private side, when it comes to private sector M&A transactions, we work with a range of different providers and we keep onboarding more and more providers. So we follow a strategy of aggregation there, which is, yeah, we want to offer the clients really the best data available, but they, so they don't have to worry about where they get it from, right? We integrate this data, our system proposes the right transactions, for example, and, and puts it all together into one, one, yeah, one overview. But of course, as a client, if you wish to add your own transactions, say you've worked on an M&A deal, you're privy to some private information that's not in the public domain, then you can, of course, also upload that into Valutico and use that data. And you can trust us to use that data responsibly. We will not use that data. So there are very strict Chinese walls between, between client accounts. I should say we do use it, but we use it in an anonymized and in an aggregated way for certain meta analysis. That's basically how Right. So you said that you propose which transactions are comparable, same thing for trading comparables, and then the client needs to approve whether this works or not, or here is a proposed universe of peers and you just say, okay, or not. Exactly. Yeah. The system comes up with something. If you, by the way, we have to, we follow that, that principle everywhere on the platform. If you don't have a view on something, the system will propose something and it makes sense. 
And just like you said, yes, our system proposes listed peers. It's proposing private transactions. Of course, as a client, as the user, you can decide whether you want to use that suggestion or you want to overwrite it. Uh, maybe what's interesting to mention here is that we also have a whole range of different AI-driven projects now where we want to build recommender systems for peers and for transactions based on yeah, relatively modern, I should say relatively very modern, actually cutting-edge AI solutions to, to solve these problems. So we just started a project, for example, with two professors that are really researching at the intersection of valuation and, and data science and AI. And it's just one of yeah, half a dozen initiatives that we just initiated. Fabulous. But uh, let's add also an overview of valuation methodologies that you use. You talked about the multiples, right? Trading, precedent transactions as well. So I suspect you talked about forecast. So you can use this for DCF, so discounted cash flow, and potentially also for LBO, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a range of different income-based approaches, different DCF, APV, flow to equity models in different variations. We have trading comps, the typical, the typical metrics you use, the sales, the EBITDA, the EBIT, PE, price the book. We have different transaction multiples, the usual ones, the usual suspects. We have the VC method that's relatively new for our VC clients and private equity clients, startup valuations. We have a leverage buyout model. I love that one. It's the simplest LBO model you will ever see, but we're getting great feedback for that. It's surprisingly accurate. And currently we're also evaluating whether we should integrate an asset-based approach, right? But that's not used that much anymore, but could also be very interesting for certain use cases. Okay. And I suspect that's very easy for you. If you look at publicly traded companies, you can also add 12 months history, AVP, all kinds of things like that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, while we talk about it, we also actively look into valuation of intangibles. We see more and more users use Valutico to, to do impairment testing, for example, and other audit-driven valuation approaches. Purchase price allocation, definitely an interesting one for us. And I think the future is intangible valuation, if you ask me. I'm very interested personally in valuation of brands and patents and even human capital. I think there are some fascinating ideas out there that are only enabled by the use of data. So expect us to do more on that side too. All right. And you said it's a SaaS, so do I need to go and log into your website or can I also save it offline or how does that work? So it's all on the website. You go to valutico.com. You can sign up for the audience, whoever hears this. Feel free to get in touch with us. We can also give you access to the platform so you can have a look. But uh, yeah, it's a SaaS solution. Unfortunately, you cannot run it offline. All right. Understood. Understood. Now... Which leads me to another follow-up question, because of course, when you run the valuations, in the end, nobody really knows the future, right? <laughs> if we did know the future, then you know we wouldn't be even trillionaires. It would be to the power of the trillion, right? So that means we need to deal with uncertainty. And one of those traditional ways how to deal with uncertainty when it comes to forecasting is scenario scenarios, right? So how interactive is your solution? Can you do scenarios? Can you do sensitivities? how easy or difficult it is also then to do the visualization because some people don't like to look at tables with a bunch of numbers they like to see charts which obviously should also lead to another question i guess your system will spit out a nice football field with all kinds of colors people want right yeah rudy i'm really happy that you're addressing this right because we, i can't stress this often enough right valuation is not an exact science right 
as you said, nobody knows the future, right? And we're all pretending that, like we do. We we don't do that much different. The way valuations are done is you can read that in any textbook, right? We're not reinventing that. We have to follow these standards. But what we as a platform can do is we can help people do things such as sensitivity analysis, right? Do it more efficiently, force people to do it, and also make it clear here and there what the sense of what, which values really drive the valuation. I think that's really the core of valuation, right? That, that you get people to think about value, right? The value itself isn't even that important, right? And by the way, we would always just quote ranges, right? We, we rarely show midpoints. But that's, I think, where we can really, really score points as a platform, right? Where we make it even easier to compare, to benchmark, to run sensitivity analysis, everything to make evaluation more plausible, right? But also bring common sense back to valuations in some case. Because what you also, also very often see is that people calculate you know, the beta to the seventh decimal, but then they spend five seconds thinking about the terminal year growth rate. Stupid things such as that. We see that in valuations every day. And I think our our mission as a platform in valuations is to also help people do this better, make this more plausible. All right. Uh, yeah, understood. Your point, yeah. yeah, obviously we show football field charts. Obviously we show sensitivity tables. Yeah. These are some of our visualizations. And scenarios we can do, you can do as well. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, Obviously, these databases, Capital IQ, Merger Market, and all this has have gotten much better in the last few years, right? But in the good old days, some of these were paying 50 bucks to anybody who would find a mistake, right? So if the analysts were waiting on someone in the middle of the night, that's what they were looking for. Some obscure companies where nobody was looking before, they would find a mistake, make extra money while they're waiting on, for someone. So what leads me, which leads me to another Another question, if you talk to some senior leaders, senior clients, what they may be skeptical about is this sounds like a black box, right? So how do I test it? How do I find the, how do I show the audit trail to somebody that there are no mistakes in this? Because in the good old days, you would have a spreadsheet, there may be mistakes there, but there was a four-eye principle when people did valuations. So somebody else was looking at the, each and every formula, or they should have. So how do you deal with audit trail, transparency, explainability? Because that's also linked to a bigger topic, AI and explainable AI, right? So we can automate everything, but we shouldn't lose sight of how the results are being arrived at. One of the reasons why people come to us is precisely because we don't have mistakes, right? That currently around 650 clients and around the world, by the way, and thousands of users are on the platform and looking for things such as that, right? You don't have to check the models like you, you do when you get a model from a junior member of the team. So that's one of the reasons why people come. We're not, we're not audited. The models are not audited as such, but we work with many of the leading academics, which obviously gives you credibility and social proof and gives you confidence that somebody else, <clears throat> excuse me, would have found them a bug if there was one. On the topic of junior members, by the way, what we also hear very often is that, or maybe a concern, right? When senior bankers say, if my juniors all use a platform like this, will they not lose the skill to critically challenge stuff? Will they not just follow blindly whatever you put in there? Absolutely. That's a valid concern, I think. I think people should work in spreadsheets in parallel, right? And learn from the ground up how to do this. But surprisingly, also many people use Valutico as a training tool, precisely for the reason because people can focus on the common sense in valuations, right? The strategic thinking, right? They don't get lost so much in the formulas and in the numbers, but they approach it from a sort of higher level thinking, right? Okay, what's the strategy of this company, right? What are the strengths and weaknesses and what's the impact on cash flows and cost of capital, right? So 
it's more exciting when you approach it from this angle and later dive into all the detailed formulas. And I think that explains also the success of the tool as a training tool. Wasn't was never planned for it to be one, but uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot of uptake like that too. All right. So you talked about your clients, right? Where you position yourself and the use cases as well. But I'm also thinking about still bankers and in particular equity research analysts because they need to update stuff quickly, right? The results come out and everybody has to be out by 7 a.m. or whatever with the view. So are you working with them as well or they have their own models that they trust from 20 years ago and they just update one number in their spreadsheet for forever. So initially when we built Valutico, I very often had equity research analysts in mind. We strategically went in a different direction. Today we're very much focused on the private markets, right? Advisory in private markets, investment management, PE, venture capital, and so on, and banks working on private markets. It just happened to go this way and we eventually decided to focus on private markets, but I still think Valutico could be an exceptional tool also for public markets, right? For equity research, where after MIFID two, equity research houses have to become a lot more efficient. So I think there's definitely an angle there. I hope we can pursue that in the future once we have a bit more resources, because I think it would be a great fit. Same, by the way, for the buy side, right? Asset managers, equity long short strategies, stuff like that. Value investing, right? It wasn't that sexy in the last 10 years or 15 years, but it has come back very strongly. And I think Valuta Group could also be a great tool for that. But as I said, at the moment, we're more focused on the private markets. All right. Understood. Understood. So... You offer a lot of functionality when it comes to valuation, etc. But when you say that your focus is on private markets, people often struggle with quality of data or availability of data. Obviously, I would say you need to get into a process, then you get the data and you can check them as much as you want. But also the things have gotten better. Even in the UK, you have financials in the company's house. You have them also in Germany and other markets, also for private companies. In the US, maybe not so much, right? But in any case, at some point, maybe you get to a process with whichever country you are and you get the data. Can you also help the big four and their clients to validate the data quality as well, right? In other words, you get the historical data, you get the forecast. So you don't need to be an audit tool, but maybe there is something obviously weird. So there is no point actually feeding into Valutico at all. Yeah, that's a really interesting discussion to have. Yeah. And by the way, what I wanted to say, just because we focus on private markets, it's still, it doesn't mean we're not using public market data sure. for okay. peer data analysis and so on. We process a lot of public market data. We, we sometimes have discussions with clients, right? Smaller ones who say, I'm valuing 2 million euro companies, right? Is public market data relevant for this, right? And we say, yes, absolutely. You should absolutely also show public peers let us do the translation between multiples of big public companies and private companies, but every data point is valid. Every additional data point is useful, right? So don't not use it just because you value a small private company. Yeah, to your question, absolutely. I think, yeah, we, I mean, you mentioned the big four. We are about to sign our first big four client. We, and in fact, we're very proud out of the top 20 networks globally. We, all, we already work with over half of them, right? So many of the household names there already use us. Uh, sorry, I hope, did I answer the question? You talked about quality, I think. Yeah, uh, data quality, if you also 
have some functionality that looks at the data, whether historical or forecast, and yes. see some yeah. and can prompt people like, look, this is an anomaly. You cannot grow yeah. from one year to another by 60% while you actually yeah. said that you sold half of your business. That's a great one. Yeah. So we're actually working on a, a sort of what do we call it? We have a funny internal name that I won't quote, but evaluation, a digital evaluation analyst. That is, I always compare it to Clippy, right? In the 90s office package, a little annoying paperclip that talked to you and gave you advice. So we started this project a while ago before even ChatGPT and other large language models. And our idea was to do a sort of validation of the valuation, right? A cross check. Things such as checking for what you mentioned, right? Hockey sticks in the business plan, inconsistencies in the assumptions. And the idea was that this valuation assistant should spot these and, and point them out and maybe even re make recommendations for how to improve, for example, your forecasts. Now, we've extended the project a little bit now, right? Because of the emergence of generative AI and large language models, because we discovered, hey, this valuation assistant can become so much more than what we initially anticipated. And uh, yeah, super exciting project. I don't have a release date for you yet, but I'm very excited about this one. All right, fantastic. You mentioned that you're a SaaS business, so I think that pretty much explains also your business model. But let's talk about it a bit more. Are you just charging for a subscription, a user? Are you charging for some integration? Do you do some tailor-made projects? Yeah, so it's a subscription fee based. It's account-based, right? Not seed, typically not seed-based, right? although there is a little price per seed, but typically it's account-based. Uh, pricing is something we're discussing a lot, especially usage-based pricing, because sometimes we have clients who do three valuations a year and we have clients who do 300 valuations a year. And it doesn't seem fair that they both pay the same thing. So that's something we're very actively um, discussing. But at the moment, it's account-based pricing. All right. Understood. So before I let you go, I just have two easy questions to close out. First, what is your favorite business book? It doesn't have to be on valuation. I have already a few that I can yeah. recommend, but maybe let's see if we agree on those. Go ahead. My favorite business book. Uh, that's a tricky one. I can tell you my favorite nonfiction book of the last year. It's, you could say it's a business book. It's Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. That's a book that's really challenged my thinking about almost anything, right? And about also how I make decisions in at work, right? In business cases. So I really enjoyed that one. The last business book I read was Amp It Up by Frank Slotman, the CEO of Snowflake. Yeah, also really interesting book. With business books, I usually, I'm the kind of guy who buys business books at airport bookshops. So yeah, I don't really follow a strategy there. I read whatever attracts my attention. All right, brilliant. I think these are great tips. I did a workshop last year on improving your strategic thinking where we leveraged a lot of Daniel Kahneman's work. And also, I obviously, we talked about Snowflake on this podcast as well. So great tips again. Thank you so much. Now, what is the best way for people to reach out and what kind of parties would you like to hear from most? LinkedIn or email. My, my email address is p.resh at valutico.com. And LinkedIn always works. And yeah, anybody who's interested in learning more about Valutico and becoming a client, obviously, in partnering with us also, we're always looking for partners in distribution side, on the product side, get in touch. If you have questions about valuations, I'm also happy to help. Feel free to contact me. Fabulous. So thank you so much, Paul, and good luck to you and Valutico. Same to you, Rudy. It was a pleasure to be here today and a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com 
where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.